Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of The Small Business Surgeon. It's Sam here. And man, my guest today, guys, um, it's uh, it's a real special treat for me to have him on here. He is a uh, he's a payment processor. He serves small businesses, but also he's created his own small businesses. And uh, I'm really excited to bring him on today. He's the owner of CertainPay, and he's the creator of RateTracker.com. Uh, a guy I'm very happy to call a friend, Mr. Adam Neese. Adam, welcome to The Small Business surgeon thank you for having me sir grateful to be here it is my pleasure and before we jump into this man i I just want to say thank you because when i first walked in the room at apex and for those of you that that don't know apex is a a coaching program um, that helps you become the uh, most elite version of yourself dude when i first walked in the room at apex Adam was one of the guys that made me feel the most welcome. Um, I remember you telling me about how I belonged in the room, and uh, I never did get to say thank you for that. So thank you for uh, giving me a little bit of uh, encouragement, a little bit of a push when I first joined the program. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome, man. I, um, you know, it's interesting because I felt the same sort of like feeling of like uh, inadequate. I don't want to say inadequacy, but like intimidation from oh, yeah. other people in the room. Dude, like some of the people in those rooms are like, multi seven eight nine figure people that Mm -hmm. have built big businesses and i'll never forget the first the first fly in friday that i went to with like the the upper tier group Mm -hmm. um dude i um i was i was so nervous the first day like literally like i dressed up i don't normally dress up like (laughs) it's kind of funny like that I wear the black shirt and jeans every day because it's just yeah. easy and yeah. less decisions to make. And um, dude, I dressed up in like a purple button-down shirt and like Ryan Stuman ripped on me for it. It was kind of funny. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, what the hell? Like, what am I doing trying to be like something I'm not? And at that point, I was only, I was just doing sales. I was selling credit card processing. Right. And, um, you know, a couple months after that, I decided to make the leap and start certain pay and go off my own and being self-employed and all that. And um tell you what it's good to feel that way when you're going into a group or any sort of mastermind or networking opportunity because dude if you're the smartest or the most successful person in a room you're in the wrong room like you should yes yeah you know like let's be real like everyone talks to this thing about oh your network is your net worth and all that stuff and you know surround yourself with the right people well, if you're if you're the biggest fish in that small pond, you're in the wrong place. You yeah, know? you couldn't be more right, mate. Absolutely. And you know, when when you change your room, you, your whole perspective changes. You know, and it, it goes back to the old adage of being the average of the people you surround yourself with. Yeah, and, um, it's so important. Yeah, I'd rather be on the low end of the top group of guys and work my way up than be on the top end of the low group of guys and just just stagnate and never go anywhere. So, uh, but yeah, man, imposter syndrome uh, is a real problem. <laughs> And uh, I notice a lot of the guys uh, in Apex say the same thing. Um, you know, they, they feel as though maybe they don't belong in that room. And, uh, you know, if, if you're listening and you want to jump up rooms, just just make the jump. You, uh, you'll belong or they'll squeeze you out, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, like, the imposter syndrome is a good thing, though, because it's like a reality check, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty easy to um, – I've had it. We've all had it. Um, and that's okay, though, because it's letting you know that genuinely, like – you're either ahead of where you want to be or where you actually are. 
and your gut's telling you, okay, what do I need to change to actually feel the way that I'm projecting myself, right? Yes. There's like this, there's like, there's two sides to it, right? Fake it till you make it, which I think is bullshit, mm-hmm. or speak it into existence. You know, we all tend to be polarizing or exaggerative on social media, which is fine, but um, it, there's a there's a line between being full of it and also like just projecting yourself forward and, and wanting to attract people that might already be where you're at or the direction that you're heading. Absolutely. You know? So I, I think imposter syndrome is a good thing. Yeah, I think it, I think it can definitely pay off if you uh, if you treat it right. Um, the fear that goes with it, though, is often unsubstantiated. I've uh, I've had imposter syndrome many times, and yet when I take a deep breath and bite my bottom lip and figure out what to say, I always seem to fit right in with the group that I'm with. So, uh, Hell yeah. yeah, getting over that fear, Adam. Man, tell us a little bit about your backstory because you came out of sales and uh, did you have an entrepreneurial spirit or was that like fired up when you got in a room full of entrepreneurs? Because you were a pretty killer salesman at what you did, right? Yeah, yeah. I think um, so. I've always had that kind of like entrepreneurial or um, self-driven bone. Like, you know, when I was like, I think I was 12. My mom loves this story. She tells people because she's also the same way. She's had her own businesses and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Same thing with my dad. Um, I, like when I was 12 years old, I started a landscaping business in my neighborhood where I grew up and, um, we, I used to play paintball and do stuff like that with my buddies and everybody would get money from their parents. And I was like, my parents were like, no, you got to work for your money. And even at 12, so they taught me that. And, uh, it was a young, at a young age. And I was just like, okay, cool. I'm going to go out and make money. How do I do that? Well, I know how to cut grass. I do it every week for my parents. Mm -hmm. They don't pay me. They just feed me. So um, (laughs) I put a roof over my head, which I guess is that's more than enough. Um, And so I went out, dropped off a bunch of flyers in people's driveways and their mailboxes and stuff and got some clients. And I made like over a thousand bucks in the summer as a 12 year old kid. Actually, I made like 200 bucks. Yeah. And then I spent it all on paintball. But that's what it's for when you're 12, man. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. yeah, I tell you what, though, as a, as a semi-successful adult, right, anytime a kid knocks on my door and tries to sell me something, I'm pretty inclined to buy it. If a 12-year-old oh, yeah. came by with a weed eater, I'd be like, you go, young man, come on. let's." Uh, let's... <laughs> we, uh, yeah, like, I, I can't remember what it was recently, actually. Somebody knocked on our door, and um, there was, like, 20 bucks for, uh, what the hell were they selling? I don't even remember. It was, like, chocolates or something. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, dude, here, like, here's what I have in my wallet. Just keep the change. Because... <laughs> That stuff, that activity should be rewarded, right? Yes. Like those people, it takes a lot to do that, especially as a little kid or anyone that's in sales or anybody that's building a business, like making the effort to do the outbound is half the battle to generate leads, generate opportunities. And if you were, you should reward that activity at a young age, because I believe that's truly genuine. You know, the kids walking around in the cold, it's this, this was probably in January, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm in Cleveland, so yeah, you're talking north, 30, yeah. it's winter here, right? It's not, mm-hmm. it ain't warm. And, um, so the kids doing that, I don't know what the motive was, but like, think about this, like his mom was going around with him, making sure that he was safe. He had to have been eight mm-hmm. and he starts going into this pitch and I was like, Hey, what, what are you selling? And I was like, I just handed him a 20. I was like, what, what would this cover? And he, he sold me some cookies. Right mm-hmm. now. The thing is like a lot of, a lot of environments, like almost not prohibit, but like they, they like that activity is deemed like, Oh, you're out to make money. And like in our society, some people see that as a bad thing. That's a good yeah. Yeah, because that's entrepreneurs cool. shape the world. We solve the problems. That's why we, we, and we take the risk, 
that's why we usually have the money. And if we don't have it now, we're going to have it in the future. Amen. Man, I think it's so important that kids get into that. And the fear uh, of, of knocking on somebody's door and asking them to buy something. I mean, when I was uh, when I was 12, I had a paper route. And one of the first things they did was say, right, we need more customers. So you got to go and knock on people's doors and give them free papers and, you know, try and get them to sign up. And I hated it. And I just I think the fact that I was knocking on their door and I was 12, you know, I got all the subscriptions. Yeah, I, I won the prize for the most subscriptions, but I hated it. But actually being put in that situation as a kid, um, it, it, it was defining. It, it really helped me to learn. And I think if our kids could, uh, could solicit door-to-door for, for yard work and stuff, I think that should definitely, definitely be encouraged. Um, dude, absolutely. Yeah. Dude, it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> like, we teach our salespeople to not go door-to-door now for well, yeah. services. I mean, but it's, like, it's ironic how it's the opposite, right? That's because um, we know about permission-based selling and, and yeah, 12-year-olds yeah. <laughs> old, don't. But, you know. Right, well, and, and like, I think in today's world, um, like, you know, it, right now, especially with COVID, it's, we sell B2B, right? So it's mm-hmm. challenging to get in front of decision makers. Um, it's challenging to, um, you know, just because it's different now, it's disrupted. Like, there's a guard up and like, oh, don't come yeah. in here because of COVID and this whatever and calling on the phone that's annoying too so mm-hmm. what do we do we post organically and become the attractive character right that's the stuff that we've learned in our masterminds yes and, sir. Um, i wish that i knew that stuff earlier because you know to kind of go on what we were talking about like i was when i started out selling credit card processing i did what the company i used to sell for taught me right all people call your family call your friends mm-hmm. network with accountants and bookkeepers and people that work with business owners and um I was average to say the least my first couple of years, right? I was, right. An, I was, I was motivated. I was like in a really weird spot in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I dated for like a year in co- high school and then we broke up for all of college. And then like, we got back together six years later. So, um, I was like, I was, I felt like I was in a funk and, um, just kind of going through the motions all the while still kind of being motivated right. in a way. Um, and, once we all, once we rekindled, it really changed my approach towards things. I'm like, okay, I have this amazing woman back in my life and I have to provide for her. It wasn't just like, Hey, I need beer money on the weekend. And it's funny because, <laughs> right. And like, cause I was, wasn't thinking long-term or big picture. Yeah, no doubt. Now I am, you know, we have a daughter and a baby boy on the way and it's like, everything's just like massive fire lit under my ass. And the one thing I realized is that at the time, selling credit card processing my, my time was best spent instead of cold calling and knocking on doors just mm-hmm. re- interacting with my clients helping them with stuff customer service stuff like i was their face and i would just ask for referrals and they would happily refer to me because i knew what i was talking about and they trusted me right so exactly from a yeah. sales standpoint like everybody talks about like your relationships are crucial things like that if you sell a service or a product that isn't just like you know, selling cookies or something, you know, mm-hmm. selling one time, you know, and that's it. If there's a relationship or like an ongoing payment structure, dude, you, you keep selling all the time. You're always there for your clients. And that's what leads to number one retention. Like you'll retain your clients, but you'll also get referrals and any small business can, can learn from that concept. And, you know, I'm not really saying anything different from what people talk about, but I can say from experience that that is what got me to where I am today. And, and, you know, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, it's, it's learning to put the service first and learning to put the, uh, the customer first. 
you know, and even there's, there's times when, and this is one thing I struggle to get through to, to some business owners, there's times when it's better to lose money um, to keep the client and to make the client happy and to move forward with the relationship than it is to fight a client. Because, you know, for the sake yeah. of 500 or 1,000 bucks, uh, to fix something, to keep the relationship, and then that reflects on you. Your client says, you know what? They they did fuck that up, but boy, they did a real good job of making it right. And it, yep. you know, it, it does nothing but cast your business into uh, into a good light. So, uh, dude, to speak to that real quick, actually, yeah. I have a question. So you're you're recording this, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Is that okay? I'm looking. I'm like, I don't see it being recorded. I just want to make sure that we weren't. Uh... <laughs> oh, I'm using uh, I'm using OBS. I'm using a screen recording software. I'm not okay. recording right. directly out of Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll shut up then. But um, hey, you're good. Along with that, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Go ahead. So, like, going along with the uh, the idea of like um, do, like not fighting, it's not worth it. Like, mm-hmm. so we actually, so certain pay my payments company, we brought on a client um, that's in our mastermind inside of Apex recently. Okay. And um, we got them all set up. We integrated their payment stuff with Panda Docs, like their software that they use to sign documents. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> there was a couple things, like little nuances that the merchant did not like. And I worked with him through it. Actually, today we talked a little bit further and like, it's just not what he's looking for. Yeah, the solution was great for him. He gets his money the next day, his fees. He came in at 2.4% out the door mm. versus three or whatever it is with Stripe 2.9 and 30 cents. But like, um, it wasn't what he wanted. And I said, hey, you know what? Like, okay, we'll close your account. No big deal. There's no cancel- There's no cancellation fee, none of that bullshit. And he goes, all right, cool. And like, he's like, I'm still going to refer business to you, even though it wasn't the right solution for us. And that right there is an example of us operating by our eighth core value, which Mm -hmm. is we play the long game in everything that we do. Yeah, we lost a client, but like, it's okay because it's not like the end of the world, first of all, right? We'll probably sign up five or six today as a company. Usually that's what we do in a day. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't really care about the money piece of it. I just want whoever we serve to be happy. And that person happens to be a referral partner too. So instead of arguing about it or being like, oh, dude, we don't this work to get you set up. Like who cares, right? Yeah, if you're yeah. a business and you're providing a service to other people, the customer, I'll say two things here. The customer, the client is not always right, but like, it's not your decision to, it's not your place to make that decision. Unless it's like something that's could potentially harm them. Like mm-hmm. we advise people all the time. Hey dude, like, that's a potential chargeback. You should refund that money right now. Do mm-hmm. it. Or if they don't, then that's on them. But like if something little, like for example, the front end of like their dashboard, they just didn't like the dashboard. That was the main reason why they wanted to go back to Stripe. And hey, that's that outweighed the next day funding and the, the cost reduction that we're providing them um, in their mind. So that's cool. Like it's not a big deal. Right. Right. So. Yeah. that that happens so let's move on uh, a little bit so you are you're selling you're part of apex uh you decide to jump out and start your own business and uh, i know you got a, i know you got a partner he's uh, he's he's from actually uh, from college station and has just moved to ohio right so uh, he, um, he's from college station he lives in dallas and uh, lives in dallas okay we are uh, as a team we are working on closing him on moving to cleveland so we'll get him here but... uh well, we should just work <laughs> on closing you to move into dallas because then we'd have a lot more uh, a lot more fun but yeah. um, dude, <laughs> tell me how uh, tell me how certain pay came about how do you come up with your, your selling processing and all of a sudden you've got your own processing company there's got to be a couple of steps there that we can uh, that we can learn from dude so um uh, it was it was a span of six months, pretty much where it all happened. Um, 
I'll say this. If your work, so this is a business owner podcast, so this will resonate with all the small business owners that listen. Um, I was really successful in my last year selling there. In fact, I was out of like 1300 reps. I was number 28, I believe, something like that. Made chairman's club, crushed it. And I was a W-2 employee under their thumb. Mm -hmm. And they started doing things to clients that I didn't agree with morally, such as raising rates, adding additional fees, the typical bullshit that credit card processors do. And I, that's not how we operate. That's not how I operate. It was against my core values. And it took a few months for me to get to a tipping point. Right. Um, And in those few months, matter of fact, the first day that I went to fly in Friday and I'm sitting at Stuman's table with my purple button down shirt, (laughs) like, dude, literally as it started, I get an email that says from the chief sales officer or somebody there about um, my portfolio, right? We get paid as salespeople in the payments industry, we get paid residually, right? It's great, it's a great business. You you sell a bunch of accounts, your residual increases every month and you get paid more and more, right? So what happened was they forcefully bought out about 1800 bucks a month of my residual. Um, which they, which I didn't want that because my residuals were greater than my expenses. I was technically financially independent. Right. Right. So, um, every month, you know, like I can make bigger investments and do things like that with my money. Um, and I felt like I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, so that means that I'm going to get a buyout. Like they, they, they Mm -hmm. pay me. I don't get the residual anymore but I didn't need the cash and, and I had a really good retention rate. So I wanted to keep that residual coming in. Of course. Yeah. And, and dude, you're talking, so it was 30 X times 1800 bucks. You're talking about 50, 50 some grand, 54 grand 54. Um, yeah. Before taxes, I, I got a nice deposit the following Friday, but I did not want it. So that made me realize, okay, I'm not even in control of my own money, let alone the customers that I serve mm-hmm. who are not happy with me. I had like 300 at the time. And Apex taught me how to generate leads. And so all the while, there's this guy named Marshall Lowy inside of Apex. And we were both and still are known as the payments guys in that group. It's so cool. Yeah. Like, um, and I hit him up and I was like, yo, why don't we just let's start a company together? And we kicked that idea around for a couple months. And then, um, you know, within three months or so, not even we decided to launch certain pay in April and of 2019. And we started out just selling and selling and um, got off to a really hot start. We realized that we didn't have any infrastructure or systems or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I'll speak to that later because I'm sure a lot of other small businesses do the same thing. They just focus on sales. But dude, it's like spinning plates. It's like spinning yeah. plates. You've got so many things to keep up with. But the most important thing is the leads and the sales. And kind of everything else just gets pushed off the desk, you know? But like, And that's not the way to operate because it doesn't serve uh-huh. like, like it's, And we're still, we're at a good spot now on February 10th, 2021, as we record this. Mm-hmm. Um, but like strictly focusing on sales, just like two sales guys would do. Absolutely. Right? Hey, we got the leads. Let's sell them, build up a residual, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, yeah, we've got the money coming in every month. We just got to figure out now how to consistently 
systemize, create processes, put people in place to execute so that we're not wearing a million hats. Yeah, but like a lot of small business owners are. There's natural phases to becoming a, a, a real business owner as opposed to the, the small business owner. And, you know, yep. most guys start out with what's the problem? I got no sales. How do I fix it? Generate leads, generate sales. And again, they don't get to that back end stuff until it's further down the line and they've made a mess. You know, yep. so and, uh, and guilty <clears throat> as charged. It's and it's interesting thing is it doesn't just affect the customer, it affects your employees once mm-hmm. you hire them. We hired an employee, our first employee in Michelle. We hired her in August of 2019, and she's amazing, hands down. She's also moving up here too. Um, and like it's it's <clears throat> we've got a team of three now, and everybody works in tandem or a unit. Mm-hmm. We've got a sales manager. We've got uh, about nine producing agents. And oh, nice. These are good. Yeah, man. We've yeah. got a good thing going, so we just need to expand. Dude, that, that's great, man. And all that in uh, in in really uh, nicely under two years, uh, as well as uh, as well as getting through that uh, that pandemic. So <laughs> yeah, that was tough, <laughs> dude. I I noticed you hit on that uh, that core value where where. They weren't doing what they said they were going to do. They changed their mind. And our number one core value around here is show up on time and do what you say you're going to do. So um, with that said, what kind of issues does certain pay address within the credit card processing industry? Um, what do you find that small businesses are uh, are, are getting uh, hamstrung over when it comes to uh, credit card processing? Because, uh, you know, I know a lot of people, oh, we need processing, right? I better go up and, uh, oh, I'll sign up with Stripe or I'll sign up with uh, PayPal or whatever, and it's done and, and that's it. You know, so what do small business owners kind of overlook there and, and how does certain pay do it a little bit differently? So um, that's a great question. How are we different? So Stripe, Square, and PayPal don't really serve the same client that we do on average. Mm-hmm. Um, Stripe, Square, and PayPal are great for a business that's just starting mm-hmm. or a business that um, we, we, we refer to anyone that uses Square, Stripe, or PayPal, and they consistently process more than 10 grand a month. We, we refer to that term as they've graduated from Square, Stripe, or PayPal, and it's time for them to get a real direct merchant account. There's mm-hmm. just more value there. There's, there's a human being that can support you. There's multiple human beings that are a phone call or a text message away your account's properly underwritten so that if you grow really quickly or you start doing larger sales than normal, Mm -hmm. your money's not going to get frozen. Um, We aim to add value outside of just merchant processing. Like we want um, our clients to thrive in whatever they do. Um, We've got, we build websites and do SEO. We have online ordering for restaurants and other food service businesses. Oh, nice. And um, I'd say the main thing is, it's, it's kind of like a combination of what does a merchant want? Well, they want to be able to take payments. Yes. They want to be, they want the right solution so that's, that it matches up with their system. Like it's all integrated securely. Mm-hmm. Um, it eliminates steps. It's as automated as possible. There's minimal headaches. I say minimal because most of the time with payments, it's a living, breathing thing. There's always going to be a challenge to address. And, you know, every day we have, we have about five, close to 500 clients. And every day there's something that somebody needs. Sometimes it's urgent. Sometimes right. it's, you know, not urgent. Like, Hey, I'm changing banks in a week. I need that change. Okay, cool. Well, here's the form to fill out. We'll get it done for you, whatever it might be. And um, it's kind of like what makes us different is, uh, is uh, 
Like, what does that client need? What do they want? Do they want uh, mobile payments? Do they want e-commerce? Whatever. We'll set up the right solution for them. We service it and the pricing is fair. Right. Uh, and the salesperson gets paid every single month so that they are, um, what's the word? They are incentivized to keep the client happy. Invested and, in the happiness of the client. Yeah. yeah. If you got paid, if you get paid a percentage every month of what a business processes, you're going to make sure that that client's happy and that like their business is in a good spot. You, there's only so much you could do, but um, we, we do that because clients need to be serviced, right? And that's, right. that's the thing that's kind of dropped, a ball that's kind of dropped in our industry um, because it's just overlooked. So the white glove service is there, the value on um, compliance and stuff like that. And then we're not going to screw. We're not going to screw with your rates and fees, right? So, like, um, I'll give you a really good example, dude. And actually, just found this out today. Because those I'm, processes are sneaky, dude. <laughs> they can be, yeah. Some of them are. I mean, I would say I actually say I would say most of them are, and that's why Rate Tracker is something that um, I'm extremely passionate about. We all are, um, and it's something that is I think is going to add a lot of value to an industry that needs it. Um, and we can talk about that later, but. Let me give you an example. So I, yeah, sure. we're, we're, we're working on an account that does $15 million a year on credit card, which is larger than normal, mm-hmm. way larger than normal. Our average account does about 400 grand a year. Okay. Merchant account. Um, and we can serve any account of any size, right? But this dude, so this guy has a big business. He does 15 million and his paint, he just found out um, and his CPA, his CPA that referred us there, let, let me know this morning that um, his existing processor that he's changing away from uh, increased their rates and fees to the tune of about $18,000 per year. Mm-hmm. 1,200th of a percent uh, was added to their, their cost, which might not seem like a lot, but if you're doing 15.1 million, mm-hmm. that's a little bit over $18,000 a year that they're getting billed extra. And like most merchants, especially one of that size, they don't catch it. Right. But that increase happened simply because their existing processor could, and they yeah. did. So I mean, eighteen thousand dollars is is it doesn't matter which playing field you're on; it's still a fair chunk of change. You know, you don't want to be getting taken. Uh, you, you don't want to be getting taken for that. Now, is is that like a problem that's you know inherent throughout the credit card processing industry, or is that kind of more of a one-off thing? Um, I'd say it's pretty inherent, and it's it's not always like an actual rate increase. It's something like where people just like sneakily do things. And we just don't, we just don't operate that way. Like we, yeah, we want to help the client with the right solution and we're going to be honest with them. Dude, I never, um, I never read a merchant processing agreement. I just signed them all, you know? <laughs> well, you, have you, you've worked primarily like in the high risk space. Yeah. Like, yeah. We, well, we were doing about 6 million a year in high risk. Yeah. And, yeah, that's um, amazing. We'll do, so I'll tell yeah, you we, we lost it all. So I mean, <laughs> hey, shit, shit happens. We're still here, it right? certainly does. We're still here, mate. Yeah. But so listen to this. So, um, like, in high risk, it's different. You're gonna pay more in fees because, mm-hmm. like, a bad driver, like a bad driver of an automobile, is gonna have a higher insurance premium Absolutely. because there's more risk, right? Um, so, like, rate trackers target client. Where which rate tracker helps merchants automatically and easily keep track of their credit card fees every month mm-hmm. via text and email. It's all integrated so they can know, and it's it's something that will help them prevent the eighteen thousand dollar increases. Mm-hmm. The 
sometimes it's only four or 500 bucks a month, but that adds up, dude. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, um, and, and it's, it's just like a way for us to hold ourselves accountable and let our clients know that we're going to be transparent. Mm-hmm. But here, here's the thing, high risk, like you shouldn't really worry about rates and fees, obviously to some extent, mainly it's approval getting approved getting the mids we just were being able caps. to process the cards. Yeah, yeah. and not being able to yeah you want to be able to accept payments and not have to deal with getting shut down mm-hmm. um, or like your money frozen and, and stuff that every high risk merchant has dealt with reserves yep. funding delays you know so yep yep and um you know for all intents and purposes i'll be back in that high risk game here pretty soon um you know, it's just a matter of uh, it's just a matter of capitalizing it and having the uh, having the fortitude to jump back in. Um, it's uh, yeah. it, it it honestly, you know, I've never I've never done as well as when I was selling uh, selling products online and um, I had the the funnels, I had the traffic, I had everything. I've never done as well as that. So uh, yeah, it's it's definitely something um, that I want to get back into. But uh, we'll see. I'll roll it out at some point this year. It just depends how many podcast episodes I uh, I end up recording. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I got to ask you this, and and of course, you know, with um, however many hundreds of clients that you've got right now, I'm assuming you see um, these guys that have graduated from the Stripe uh, and the PayPal to their own uh, kind of um, custom merchant processing. But I got to ask, you know, what's the biggest mistake that you see? Uh, business owners making first time out when they're getting credit card processing, they're getting all this set up. What's the what's the biggest mistake you see? The biggest mistake is hands down, dude, is picking a processor based on the lowest rate. Like, because here's the thing, like, it's more important to go with somebody that you know or somebody that you trust. And this is not a pitch for myself or my business. Like, like, I really just it blows my mind that people pick a provider just based on the lowest fees, because first of all, like most of the time, there's something every time, actually, there's an, there's something in their agreement that states they can change the rates and fees mm-hmm. because normal fluctuations occur with the issuing banks and the card brands, right? right? That's like the majority of the fees on a credit card transaction just, for low and medium risk. Just stop there and explain just a second, the back end on the fees, because there's banks that get paid, right? And then there's the card yeah. company that gets paid. So who yeah, all gets paid like, so, so let's there's, that, use- there's that MISC. MISC is about the most expensive thing I've ever bought. Yeah. The, uh, the MISC right. fees. <laughs> Mis- yeah, miscellaneous fee, right? It's just a bunch of bullshit. But um, so like when you use a credit card, there's three people that charge a fee usually, right? Okay. Sometimes there's more, but it's the bank that issues the card, mm-hmm. which is called an interchange fee. And then the card brand that supports the bank or that they, they work together, is, which is the... Uh, you know, Visa, MasterCard, mm-hmm. Discover, and Amex, and then the processor. So those three fees usually is what makes up the out-the-door cost. And I'll give you an example. So um, let's say it's a Chase Visa card mm-hmm. that somebody has, you know, they bank with Chase, they've got a credit card with them and a debit card, whatever. If they buy something from um, ABC company and that company uses XYZ processor, mm-hmm. when that card is used, ABC company pays a fee in some way, shape or form to Chase, Visa, and then XYZ processor, mm-hmm. right? So those three companies, or those three entities, they earn a percentage of the sale and or a transaction fee. Sometimes it's a monthly fee from the uh, processor, whatever they do to make their margins, right? Yeah. 
I'll give you a perspective. So 95, I estimate, and I've, I've, I look through this a lot, and as we grow, it becomes even more defined. 95% of certain pace clients fall somewhere between 2% and 3.5% out the door. Mm-hmm. High volume, low risk merchants can be below 2%, and high risk or low volume merchants can be above 3.5%. Mm-hmm. So like when I, when I say the biggest mistake that people make, is they make a decision based on price. And as you know, any any vendor that works in a, in any industry, if they're only talking about how much, how cheap they are, how low their prices are, there's probably not much value there because if they offer you an extremely low rate, there's not much margin on the account, which means right. that the salesperson or the person in charge of the account, their residual is less, right? And the business that supports the salesperson, like in our case, certain pay, they make less money too. So yeah. Um, on average, we gross $180 a month per account. So like, we're good with that. That's profitable. That makes sense for our business. It makes sense for our clients mm-hmm. and we stick to it. Like I, we don't have like a guy, you know, we have target pricing and things like that based on, um, multiple factors. But I would say if you're a business owner and you're looking for a new processor or just processing in general, and you're doing more than 10 grand a month, don't pick somebody that just talks about their rates. Talk about data security, integration. When are you going to get your money? Money. Most most processors can do next day funding, um, and also like make sure there's a guarantee that they're not going to screw you. Look at reviews, um, and just trust your gut, right? Trust your certain gut. Pay, certain pay is not the only payment processor out there that or processing company that is um, honest and above board and does the right thing. That's uh, there are other companies like us that wear the white hats and do the good thing for their clients. Well, good. But I will say this: most merchant <laughs> processors are full of shit. <laughs> that yeah, yeah, I've 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 kind of discovered that over time. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, it's 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 a necessary part of doing business, and uh, you know, trust your gut and do your uh, do your due diligence for sure. Um, so moving to rate tracker real quick, um, because I do want to touch on that for a minute. Um, now, where did the concept for rate tracker come up? Because it, it connects to your bank account. It tracks your merchant rates. How, how did that come about? And, uh, you know, because I know that's a relatively new company. Um, mm-hmm. How did it come about? And, you know, what does the uh, what does the plans for rate tracker look like? What's the uh, what's the overall plan for the uh, the product there? Great question. So. <clears throat> It was, uh, I think it was like October of 2019. My buddy was over and he was showing me this app that he has for his personal finances. Mm-hmm. It's called Truebill. And yeah, it's, li- yeah. it's awesome, dude. I, my, I use it. My wife, we have it all linked up for our bank accounts and credit cards and stuff like that. And it helps you like keep track of everything, which, you know, if you, we have massive financial goals. And with that, there's discipline that needs to take place. So it helps us with budgeting. It helps us with subscriptions that we might not use. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, it's really cool. So um, I, I was looking at this app. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. So I downloaded it, set it up. I think I pay seven bucks a month for it. And um, like, I'm thinking in my head, like, why doesn't this exist for business owners for credit card processing? Like, what if there's a way to like every month, just a merchant can know via text message, email, or push notification what their out the door rates were and their volume and their fees. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I looked and there was nothing like it. 
And I was like, dude, I'm going to build this. I'm going to build this concept. Doesn't seem like it'd be that complicated. And we were able to figure out the framework of it. And what happened was I hired a company that this, that said, oh yeah, we can build it. Cool. It'll take us a month, month and a half, maybe um, paid them 30 grand. And it was a total scam. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least they, they didn't realize that they couldn't build it because they were offshore developers and extremely average. Mm-hmm. And um, cause it is complicated on the back end, like the developer we have now and his team or engineer we have, and his team is amazing. They're all domestic. I feel confident about bringing it to the market, which we already have. And actually we should be seeing another version um, being updated and released tonight. But um, that process was tough because six months was lost from a production time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this dickhead threatened to sue me because I charged him back. And um, it was just a big mess from, you know, from the beginning. And, and it was kind of like one of those things where just because somebody talks a big game, don't, that's not, doesn't mean that they're hot shit. And, you know, I learned a lot in that process. Um, so, and I'm grateful for it. Right. But Fast forward now, Rate Tracker is a free tool for business owners mm-hmm. that allows them to automatically and easily keep track of their out-the-door rates every month. And the idea behind it is to prevent or at least educate a merchant and notify them when a rate increase happens, they find out immediately instead of like six months or a year down the line. Because when they do happen, it's usually hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands, like mm-hmm. in the case of the merchant that we're working on right now, that $15 million account. Um, and it's, it often goes unnoticed because merchants see money coming in and money going out and fees. They don't pay attention to it because they're running their business. They're wearing a bunch of hats. And um, processors know that. They also know that merchants don't really read their statements. I'd say about mm-hmm. 5% do. Dude, my statement was like this thick every month when I get it. I can't <laughs> read that. You know, and that's what got me in trouble. You know, that's what got me in trouble was, was kind of, you know, um, expecting other people around the place to, to keep track of that shit for me. And boy, yeah, if I, yeah. yeah, if I'd had it in an app, that might have been a lot easier. But <laughs> And, you know, the thing is... Um, all that information, it's not even just about the processors increases because sometimes costs can go up on a merchant account Mm -hmm. because of, um, you know, something's wrong with it. Maybe you're not batching on time and the transactions are downgraded or you change something in your business, you know, your, and your average ticket changes. Well, Mm -hmm. that's going to affect your out the door rate. And so all those scenarios should be easily reported and accessible to a merchant so that they can know their numbers, right? Especially right now where a lot of people are yeah. doing what they can to survive. Like the last thing you need is um, either a rate increase or some sort of increase that affects your business and not know about it. You should I, know how to, I'll yeah. be honest, man, those those statements, they, they were never like particularly easy to read. Um, I don't know if they did. That. I don't know if the, the the places did that on purpose or not. They they weren't different. No. They, they weren't particularly easy to to read or to understand. You know, Dude, so. it's it's, uh, it's by design and it's also by default, right? Because like I mentioned, there's the there's a different there's a bunch of di- hundreds of different categories of cards that come out. For example, you have a debit card versus a credit card. You have points, perks, and miles. All that stuff equates to different categories of fees, which you know the merchant pays, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like it might seem like it's in a foreign language to people. I mean, I've seen, I've looked at probably 2000 merchant statements in my life and sometimes I'm still stumped. And so I think that it'll help with educating and clarifying stuff for merchants, right? Ray tracker. Right. And if, um, if, if it's easy to access and something that is there to be like an accountability measure for any payment processor, like 
um, I think it makes the industry better. So I want to empower merchants and educate them with Rate Tracker. They don't even have to use my company to get to use Rate Tracker. It's free. Oh wow! And and yeah, because I don't. I mean, it, it costs money to run it, um, and I don't care because the industry needs to be reformed in some way. And it's not going to start by saying to the banks, "Hey." do the right thing for these merchants they're not going to do it the process like why would they why would they be nice to the little guy like it's almost like you're exposing a problem that people don't even know exists at this point yeah absolutely dude um well a lot of them know it exists i'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast right now have had a run-in with a payment processor that screwed them either knowingly or unknowingly yeah right exactly (laughs) and um again i'm not saying that the industry is a shit show it's just unregulated. And I think that rate tracker will help clear up some of the gray area and improve it. Cause you know what, the work that we do as payments people is super important. Right. And if oh, you don't believe me, no go doubt. to the grocery store and if the power goes out or the credit card uh, system is down, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Bring out pay, you know, in cash. Most people don't carry cash. Okay. There's an ATM. Well, you got to pay fees to do that if, as a client. Mm-hmm. So, or as a card holder. So I don't know. I mean, it's, nobody wants to pay credit card fees it's a heavily valuable service and it just needs to be transparent all all around dude i like that you're transforming an industry from uh, from the inside out so uh, yeah <laughs> i wouldn't nah. say that just yet we got a lot of work to do but, but you're yeah. working on it I'd like I'd to do that that's how this works though it's how it's how movements start it's, it's just an idea at first and then uh, off you go and uh, you go and run with it man um adam dude before we wrap up here it's been an absolute freaking pleasure uh to have you on um give me a little bit for the listeners about how to get a hold of you and uh, where you can be found online man so you can find me on facebook uh just adam niece and as a nancy iec mm-hmm. as in charlie um my instagram handle is at the payments dude um, yeah. our yeah. website is www.gocertainpay.com and then rate tracker. If you want rate tracker for free, if you're a business owner that accepts credit cards, just go to www.ratetracker.io and you can have it for free. Just hit sign up today and it takes like two minutes to set up. It's pretty simple, man. All right. So you heard it there, guys. Um, Adam, dude, I really appreciate you coming on and just jamming with me and uh, getting to know you a little better and uh, letting my audience get to know you and certain pay and, uh, and rate tracker a little better too, my friend. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed chatting. And uh, for those of you that are listening, you can, uh, again, run Adam down online. We'll put all of his links up in the show notes for you guys. And uh, thank you for listening to The Small Business Surgeon. Don't forget to uh, hop on iTunes and leave a five-star review for us we will see you all same time next week for another episode thank you this has been the small business surgeon podcast if you made it this far you clearly liked it so go on itunes and leave us a five-star review this helps people find the show and spread the good word share it with friends and follow us at small business surgeon on facebook and instagram thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for your follow-up next week the small business surgeon was recorded at texas media foundry in downtown Bryan, texas Check them out at txfoundry.com. Ooh, yeah.